Oh, spring, please, more of that. Isn't I know. It beautiful? Oh. Yeah. Beautiful. I know. I'm I'm grateful every day when I see the sun and a little less snow in the mountains. Love the snow, but it's time. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. So let me introduce you. Okay. Akila Shreen Oz of Shreen Spirit Healing and Retreat Center is going to be talking about the five pillars of mental and spiritual health. Akila is a shamanic energy practitioner, a meditation teacher, and owner of Serene Spirit Healing and Retreat Center. Kila specializes in helping people process trauma experiences and thus break through limiting blocks, shifting them towards on purpose, fulfilling and meaningful lives. Kila is passionate about mindfulness and mind management as an avenue for awareness, deeper understanding of oneself, and personal transformation. Keela resides in West Kelowna with her husband, small zoo, and ridiculously large collection of plants. And if you haven't had, taken any of Keela's courses, you should. I did one, was it earlier this year or last year? Awesome. I love it. She is just a radiant, amazing person, and I always love spending time with Keela. Thank you, Shauna. That's a lovely introduction. <laughs> I will back out and let you take over, and you got till right, sure. sure. 2.40. You betcha. Okay. Okay. Thanks. Hi, everybody. It's so nice to be here. Um, these BWB events that Shauna puts on are incredible. And I'm always so excited and honored to be a part of them and to be a part of this community and to be able to offer ways for people to integrate strength and courage and ease in their life. And so that's why today I wanted to talk to you about um, what I consider to be five pillars of mental and spiritual health. Now, I'll preemptively say, I was trying to kind of lean out my choices and I kept coming up with more pillars. So um, it's hard to narrow down just five, but I've sort of handpicked or cherry picked the ones specifically that are working beautifully in my life. Doesn't mean that all of them will work in yours, but I do hope that there are a couple that kind of make you go like, aha, or have one of those moments where you go, hmm. Some of them will be more challenging than others, and it's also really difficult to get the full range of understanding in a short talk. So uh, I'll do my very best and hopefully they give you some foundations in which to enhance the quality of your own spiritual life and the way you have relationship with your mental health, which I think is really important at this time with everything that's going on for us in our lives. So um, let me begin. So I truly believe that the way we frame our thoughts creates a story about how we conduct our lives. The beautiful thing about functioning this way as a human is that our thoughts and our beliefs are malleable. With increased awareness, we are able to understand our emotions and somatic responses as an interface between our conscious and our subconscious thoughts. Once we create a heightened awareness, we can more often choose to be an observer in our own lives. This results in not being constantly pulled or pushed by all of the emotional waves that become part of our life and our human experience, but instead allow us to live more graciously with ease and with flow. That gentle space between having an experience and our reaction to it becomes lengthened. And we are granted the opportunity to choose our responses. If we don't or aren't able in the moment to choose our responses, we at least can witness our original emotional reaction, pause, and then choose to respond differently 
if we wish to shift old pattern responses that we may have acquired through trauma, pain, grief, etc. So the first pillar of spiritual and mental health is to make no assumptions. <laughs> so easy, right? I mean, we assume all sorts of things based on our history and our experience. But to make no assumptions, this means that we no longer assume that we know what is happening outside of our personal experience in that moment. We make assumptions typically based on our memories of past experience, it's a referencing point. And although they may form typical patterns, the truth is that we never really know what the outcome of a particular situation may be. We never know. We also never know the response of the person we intend to interact with. We just, we're not sure, we're just making assumptions. So the moment we assume we know the reaction, alongside that comes the emotional part. We assume the reaction alongside that comes the dread, the grief, the fear, or even the hope before we've even asked or taken question, taken action, pardon me, for the question at hand. But if the hope that we have comes from desperation, then it too holds the energetic quality of the previous mentioned emotions. And thus, we unknowingly are magnetizing a result that falls in alignment with our assumptions. So it's a fixed loop. We assume, and so it often is. Assumptions block our creativity and co-creation with the universe. Because these assumptions create sort of a container of expectation that is often not in line with what you wish to experience. So some examples of this, there's so many, but I'll just try just a couple really basic ones. Um, let's assume that our partners in our relationship will react a particular way or say no to something we wish to purchase or would like a change in our relationship or a trip we're planning or even gathering like a really chaotic family gathering, you know, like these stressful situations. Or assuming that our children will behave in a certain way based on their past behaviors. So this is often referencing our willingness to trust them and also our fear to protect them. And so we make assumptions. It's normal, I'm human. Um, or maybe assuming a personal goal that may take forever <laughs> and it doesn't. Or assuming that a goal is completely unachievable when it is. So the assumptions that we carry are our choice. When we sit in a place of openness, more specifically an openness to possibility not based on past experience or something that we've been told is true, then we are more likely to respond to things in our own life with openness and create more opportunity for ourselves. We get to create what is true in our lives based on openness, listening, and tapping into that wise part of ourselves. Truth itself in life is not fixed. What is true for you may not be true for me. What is true in our culture may not be true in a culture in Africa or in Europe or something like that. So truth is not fixed. It's very individual. And it's a beautiful part of being human because we get to create what becomes true for us in all of our learnings from our human experience. We create our lives with a culmination of stories based on assumption or truth. And we cannot get to our truth if we are basing everything on assumptions. It's impossible. So how do we catch ourselves making assumptions? Awareness. The more awareness we have in our lives, the more we can see clearly our own patterns, 
and choose behaviors that alter them rather than strengthen them. So I have an example for you on making assumptions. The last uh, seven, nine, 10 days, the love of my life, my dog rider, who is like my child, my husband and I, as in the entry that Sean explained, we do have a small zoo. I love animals. I love plants, but my animals are, they sub for my children because we've chosen not to have children. And so they're everything. And this dog rider has been very, very sick. And he's been with me since, well, he's 11 going on 12. And he's been through all of those massive upheavals in life with me. I was told by the vet that he wouldn't survive. He has acute pancreatitis and a severe blood infection. He's elderly. He's got pemphigus as an underlying condition. There are just so many factors and a vet knows what he's talking about. So he came to me and he said, the reality is, is this dog is probably not going to survive. So I've been up and down for a week in and out of the hospital with the dog. I slept beside him here in my healing room because I was waking up at night when he was really at his worst. He was so unwell that I could feel that his life force was so low that I thought that he was going to pass. So I brought him down into my healing room and we spent time together. And every time I felt the fear of him dying, and remember the vet telling me that the chances of this were very high, I chose not to feed that assumption. Yes, <laughs> it was probably very likely. The vet knows what he's talking about. He's well-versed in animal health. Um, but we couldn't possibly know the outcome of what was going to happen with this dog. And the vet agreed. We don't really know, but here are the likelihood based on past experience. And so I assume this is the outcome. So where there is potential in either direction of a situation. So for instance, with my dog to have a full recovery or to pass away, there's choice on which direction that you get to choose. I could have focused on the likelihood that he wasn't going to make it, but I didn't. And at this point today, right now, before I came down for this delivery of this um, interview or this speech, um, he's made a complete turnaround. Though not out of the woods yet, he's responded much differently than I was informed he would. Did my choice to make an or to, to make to not feed the assumption that he was going to pass, did it heal him? No, <laughs> likely not. Uh, my love and healing and energy work and all of the things didn't heal the dog. But here's the kicker. Choosing to create my own story around his survival while holding an awareness of the facts at hand allowed me to be more mentally free and not torture myself in fear of his passing. It allowed me to be so completely present when he was ill, which was so so difficult, but every moment counted because each moment that passed, I had another moment with him. That individual moment with him and then the next and then the next, I cherished every one because I was living in the now, not in the fear of what could be or what might have been. What I noticed as I went through this process is that I became fully present and okay with whatever did happen it was this really beautiful shift. I knew I couldn't control whether he lived or died, but I could control how I experienced each moment with him. And this had a tremendous impact on the, my capacity to hold space for him and whatever was meant to be. So we choose to make assumptions because they hold a framework of how to understand something. The alternative to not making assumptions is sitting in the unknown. <laughs> and this is so hard because it's so uncomfortable. So uncomfortable to be there. 
we have no control over the unknown. We're vulnerable, we feel at risk. And so this leads to the second pillar of spiritual and mental health, which is number two, get comfortable being uncomfortable. So I've made this a prominent practice in my life and I encourage all of my clients to embrace it to the best of their ability. We avoid pain and discomfort because we have been conditioned to think that we're in danger if we feel pain and discomfort. Now, if in acute physical pain, I'm not suggesting you just sit in it. <laughs> you know, I'm suggesting you go to the doctor, stat. I'm talking about the emotional pain one feels in response to an experience or how we feel when we're afraid. So afraid of success, afraid of failure, afraid, afraid, afraid. The discomfort that comes from beginning something that we have no idea how it will turn out, so we don't take action. The discomfort we feel in our lives that directs us towards our crutches, so our busyness, our technological distracting, our comfort eating, the glass or two or three of wine, um, or you know anything that becomes even a healthy distraction, like obsessive working out at the gym or excessive activity or excessive meditation, all crutches. Often necessary if they lead to higher awareness, but still they're all crutches. So a starting point to get comfortable being in the unknown is to practice staying there more often. Hold the awareness that you are emotionally uncomfortable in that moment. Catch it before you numb it out. Be gentle with yourself. When you feel the discomfort brought on by a certain situation, just try to stay in that a little bit longer before you turn away from it to the next thing, to avoid the pain, to avoid the discomfort, to avoid the inability to control it. The longer you stay there presently, the more you will realize that the experience of discomfort softens the longer you sit there. Sit in the discomfort a bit longer each time before you turn towards that which distracts you and magic can happen. It's like straining, training, pardon me, it is straining. It's very straining. <laughs> the process is straining, but it's like training a muscle when you go to the gym. Practice makes it easier to sit in that discomfort. The more you go to the gym, the less the muscles hurt. The more you sit in the discomfort, the more tolerance you build towards being able to sit in that space. So this leads us to pillar number three. We're talking about sitting in these emotions of discomfort. Pillar number three, <laughs> you're not your emotions. And so this adds another level to it. I said it, you're not your emotions. You're also not your thoughts or your beliefs or your experiences. So this life that you are in, it's happening for you, not to you. You're experiencing emotions that stem from your thoughts, beliefs, and the reactions to them, but you are not them yourself. When we begin to frame things this way, that we're not what is happening to us, but we're an observer of it, we realize that there's a slight separation from us as a spiritual being, being and us as a human being. We can recognize in these moments that we're experiencing emotions, but we're not the emotions themselves. And thus we're granted an opportunity to experience them in a different way. So if we aren't our emotions, our thoughts, our beliefs and our experiences, then what are we? Well, general consensus in the spiritual realm that we are divine beings having a human experience. Through our minds, we create the quality of experience that we wish to experience and desire in this human form. Without awareness, we may feel 
We are victims of many experiences and label our experiences as good or bad. That's without awareness. Something is good, something is bad. We all do it, right? That sounds pretty normal. But with awareness, we recognize that it doesn't have to be this way. And we can live with so much more purpose, clarity, and freedom. And that's where we're led into the fourth pillar, which is avoid labeling things as good or bad. This has been um, a practice that I've been doing for, I don't know, a number of years right now. And it didn't take long to have a really beautiful, positive effect. So it's one of my favorites because I find with deep spiritual work, sometimes it takes a really long time for integration or when you're developing gifts or things like that, or trying to understand clarity in situations from a deeper perspective with spiritual work, it can take a long time. And so I really like this one because when you, when we're talking about the unlabeling process, we can call it the unlabeling process. It has really quick results and it feels really good because, you know, there's something tangible that's happening that's giving you a positive output. So what does it mean, unlabeling or avoiding labeling your experiences as good or bad? Well, let's start with what we talk about or what we do when we first wake up in the morning. So you open your eyes, we're lying in bed, you take a quick stock of where you're at, right? Did you sleep great? Awesome. Feel great. Sleep terrible. Have a huge stressful meeting this morning or presentation. Ugh, we feel tired and anxious. And we just do that brief check-in every morning. Just naturally occurs because we're beginning our day. So avoiding labeling or unlabeling, it helps me immensely in creating flow, clarity, and joy in my life. And here's why and how. So I begin my day by waking up and tuning into my very first experiences when my eyes open. I open my eyes and I assess, okay, how am I feeling? I tune in and as I'm registering those first few moments of presence, I consciously choose not to label them. Once I determine how I'm actually feeling, I say to myself, okay, I feel really good. This is today's human experience. I feel good. Some days... I wake up and I've got really bad. I suffer from chronic pain. I manage through energy work and meditation. Sometimes I wake up and I haven't slept because of it and I feel terrible and I go, okay, this is this moment's human experience. And I don't label it as bad because the moment I do, I set myself up for more bad experiences because my frame and my intention for my day is set from the moment I open my eyes. So I'm really mindful about allowing myself to be in flow and having an experience of grace, despite whatever my current experience is, whatever I'm feeling emotionally. It allows me to not be bound by what I'm feeling. So it leads to flow. And it allows me to go with the flow of shifting experiences throughout the day. Meaning from that perspective, maybe that's the only moment if I woke up in chronic pain and anxious that I have. Maybe with this openness and this understanding that this is temporary and just my current awareness of how I'm feeling, I allow the shift to happen more quickly and organically. And it's a really powerful process, this openness and non-attachment to the label that we've provided ourselves in every situation. I use this technique in the mornings because it tends to create a template for the day. And the more you practice it, the more you'll find yourself having these emotional reactions and situations. And you'll stop and say, and you feel yourself have the emotional, you're, you're in traffic and there's, you know, I live in Cologne and there's some crazy drivers and uh, there's someone who's just being an absolute jerk 
out there and I'll stop and I'll catch myself and I'll want to just hang on the horn, but I'll stop and I'll pause and I'll think, feel what I'm feeling and go, all right, this is my current experience. I'm okay with it. I observe it with a gentle curiosity rather with judgment or labeling and it immediately softens. I recognize that there is an opportunity in that moment with this heightened awareness and the opportunity might simply be, here's a chance to practice patience in traffic with a bunch of maniacs around me or whatever the circumstance is. Every situation is an opportunity to reframe and reshift how you're feeling and how you respond to it. It's so powerful, so powerful. So from scenario to scenario throughout our day, we're pushed and pulled by our emotional responses. Typically, if we're really in a situation of, of um, low awareness, let's just say, I, I don't like that word, but do you know what I mean? If we're not able to be really present or conscious, but if we can recognize all human experiences as impermanent, then we can allow ourselves to be fully in them and without judgments, and without the desire to escape them. So we're actually able to say really present, understanding that this is temporary, it's uncomfortable, I don't like it, or maybe I do like it, this is amazing, it's also temporary. And it allows us to view our life from a different perspective. So our darkest moments become opportunities to be present and experience our shadows and to inquire about the lessons hidden in them with a gentle curiosity. Our purest joy from moment to moment allows us to truly value the beauty of that experience in that moment, because we understand that this joy too is fleeting, it's impermanent, and it becomes so much more precious in that moment. So all of a sudden, as we're removing or unlabeling, removing these labels of good or bad, we're just allowing ourselves to experience the entire range of human emotions and we find ourselves living gracefully. We permit ourselves to experience pain and grief, knowing this too shall pass, and therefore it often passes more quickly with this true embodiment. So the way I create more being, being, instead of reacting and labeling is through my meditation practice, which has allowed me to understand myself and my experiences in a deeper way. The practice of clearing my mind, and my thoughts allows me to have more space in my life for me to register what it is I am reacting to because I'm clear. I'm able to really stop and just hone in on what it is that I'm experiencing. This practice has led to transformational shifts in how I view my life, how I see things and what I choose to be true for me, which leads to the final pillar, which everything is a choice. I'm just gonna check here. So my pillars so far are you see, first one, uh, make no assumptions, um, get comfortable being uncomfortable. You are not your emotions and avoid labeling experiences as good or bad. So yes. And then the last one and the fifth one is everything is choice. Everything. Now I get a lot of resistance <laughs> from this pillar, but of all of the foundations of creating mental health for myself and spiritual connection for myself and finding a life of purpose and clarity, this pillar that everything is a choice has been the most profound for me. And I'd like to explain to you why. It's also the most challenging, <laughs> so bear with me. So 
it's a hard one to conquer. I constantly work at it and I can honestly say the more I embody it, the happier I am. I can sum it up in this way for you guys. We cannot control anything in our lives except our responses and our reactions. That's it. Try as we might to treat circumstances that play out perfectly. It is simply an impossibility that comes from being human. We can't control everything. So what we do have power over though, is how we respond, not only to ourselves, but to external people and the circumstances that come into our life. So we don't choose to get cancer, but we do get to choose how to respond. We don't choose to lose a loved one, but we do get to choose how to respond. We don't choose infidelity in our relationships, the car accident, the fraud, the illness, but when things come our way that are painful and challenging, we do get to choose how to respond. So it goes for so many aspects in our life. If someone slanders you, intentionally hurts you, speaks harshly, betrays you, these are all opportunities to respond differently and open up your awareness of what are the underlying lessons in these experiences. If you choose this perspective, like I said, it's not for everybody, but if you choose it, it can be really freeing and liberating. So someone betrays you or slanders you, let's just say, do you choose to get or be affected by their words? You may choose not to be. Then you're thinking, someone's just yelled at me, totally inappropriate and I didn't deserve it. You're telling me that I shouldn't emotionally respond. It's not what I'm saying. I'm saying honor your emotional responses, allow them to well up inside of you. Allow yourself to feel, give yourself permission to feel first, and then take what's called a sacred pause. It's the pause between the emotional response and the reaction that you have. The longer the time between the pause of the pause, pardon me, between the experience and your reaction, the more the reaction softens. And rather being reactive and wanting to lash out from whatever untended things that are being triggered or wounds or whatever it is from your emotional past that are creating this response, all of a sudden you're given the opportunity to respond differently and understand that it is just that. It's an opportunity. So I'm not suggesting we bypass our responses and just choose like the light, love and light in all situations. It's important to allow the shadow parts of ourselves to bubble up and experience that. But most importantly, I'm asking you to give yourself permission to feel and then come to terms with how you wish to respond, recognizing that you can't control or prevent someone's behavior towards you, but you can change the way it affects you. And this is liberating because then you get to choose where your energy is going, where you're leaking energy and track it back and be really accountable and empowered about how you respond to everything in your life. Your entire life can shift from this practice. It's incredibly profound. You'll never get it perfect. If you do, please email me and tell me what you've done because I am constantly working on it. But I tell you, it's liberating. And I hope that this one strikes a chord with you. So your actions and responses can be filled with anger or they can be filled with love. You can choose resentment or forgiveness. And the beautiful part is once you choose, you can choose again. Just because you've chosen one 
response doesn't mean that that is the forever response. You get to choose from moment to moment how you feel about something. And if it's not leading you to the human experience of your life that you wish, change it. Change the response. Go back to the situation. Behave differently. Apologize. Or just tend it internally if that's not possible. And make a vow to yourself to, to respond differently the next time the opportunity is granted to you. So if you can, over and over, minute to minute, continue to choose love again and again and again. Always love. So to summarize, five pillars. First one, make no assumptions. Don't make any assumptions. Uh, if you do make assumptions, just track what they're impacting and how they're impacting you um, and do your best to remove them. Number two, get comfortable being uncomfortable. Practice it in little increments in your life day to day and just see what the experience becomes for you as you sit in this discomfort. What does it pull up for you? What's being triggered? What is this discomfort telling you about yourself and inviting you to turn towards to understand yourself in a deeper way? Pillar number two. Pillar number three, you're not your emotions. <laughs> you're not your emotions. You're not your beliefs. You're not experiences, you're not even your thoughts. But your experience of your life is created by the quality of them. So do your very best to recognize that you are a spiritual being having a human experience, but that's just it. Allow yourself to witness what is happening with a beautiful, gentle curiosity and see where that takes you. Number four, uh, avoid well, I like to say the unlabeling process. Avoid labeling things as good or bad. And my suggestion to you today is to do what I do, which is to start even just one small step in the morning when you wake up and just take note of how you're feeling. Tap in and just go, oh, okay. Headache, stressed, COVID, money, all the things. And you just allow it to come and then you choose. You get to choose. This is just my current human experience. What you're saying with that energetically and vibrationally is I am open to something different. I'm open to a different experience, sooner the better, <laughs> but a different experience to come into my way, into my life. So practice unlabeling. Think about what's happened for you maybe in the last week or last few days that has been what you would consider a negative experience. And reflect back on it and, and question whether you can unlabel it and it just becomes an experience. And without that attachment to it being good or bad, what can it teach you? Can you see more clearly about an opportunity to grow from it rather than assigning it a label that limits your awareness and how you understand yourself in a deeper way? Everything becomes opportunity if you let it be. And then the last pillar, the fifth one, everything is a choice. Everything is a choice. How you respond is a choice. With awareness, it's easy, easier <laughs> to allow everything to become a choice. So I propose to you that you take a look at some of these pillars. And if any of them strike a chord or are interesting to you, Pick one of them or two of them and allow yourself just to play. Allow yourself to play with what does it feel like to not label something or reflect on 
that experience was really good. And it's not about not enjoying the bliss of a positive, joyful experience. It's about recognizing that I'm choosing to not be attached or label that experience because I know it's fleeting. And that even makes it more palpable and more beautiful to experience in your life. So thank you for listening to these five pillars. I am hoping that they have impacted you in some small way, or at least invited you to look a little bit differently at how things flow in and out of your life and given you some mechanisms or some tools for you to reframe some of your experiences to make your life more filled with ease and grace. And if you have any questions about the, the plethora of things that fall under each one of these pillars, I'm always available. Feel free to reach out. If you have blockages in your life or you're feeling stuck and you want more clarity and purpose, you know you might have some things that you need to turn towards that are holding you back. Maybe they're trauma or grief or untended things, or you just need support. Please reach out and allow me to assist you the best way that I can. And it has been an honor to be here. I see that Shauna is back on Facebook now. <laughs> Hi, Shauna. Hi, how so, are you? That was wonderful. Love oh, it. thanks, Shauna. Love it. Yeah, they're it. they're really powerful tools. If if um if people are willing to see where they lead. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. I'm glad your dog's feeling better. Yes. I, in the words of my talk today, I'm not attached to the outcome, but I am so grateful that he is the way that he is so that I can, I just have, there's so, every moment is precious. Like 